0: Hi, I'm Marika, and welcome to Money Chillouts. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often spoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading flows in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest, and frank conversation. By opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired, and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindsets, investment habits, and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. And when you're ready to go further in mastering your finances, come and work with me on a one-to-one coaching. You'll grow your awareness, move on with your projects, and have an accountability buddy to track your progress. So hi, Annika, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for being on. I'm super happy to have you on this podcast and thanks for your time. I'm very interested to know more about what you do for Money Movers, which is a peer network of women helping women to take climate action through their personal finance. And your goal is to empower 30,000 women to move up to 1 billion sterling for the planet by 2030. So very inspiring,
1: and I'm very keen to learn more. So can you tell us a bit about you? Yeah, sure. So my name's Annika, and I lead Money Movers, which, as you said, is a movement of women taking climate action with their personal finances through the power of peer support. And I'm also partnerships director at an organisation called Huddlecraft, and we use the power of peer learning to help both organisations and individuals face big challenges. And before that, I worked in social innovation, startups, and community building. Uh, So I've done a few different things over the years. Mm -hmm. That's always nice. So can you tell us
0: why you've specialized in personal finance, and then sustainability, and then women empowerment? And I guess all of them are linked, but yeah, can you give us a bit of background on that?
1: Yeah, so... I was actually, you know, hands up, I've got to admit, I was never interested in finance as a a field to work in, despite the fact that I've got a maths degree. And so, you know, when I was at university, a lot of my friends were going into finance and I just wasn't interested. I I thought it was a a mechanism for kind of self-gain. And I didn't really have much of an understanding of, you know, the power of finance for, for doing good in the world. And I've always been interested in particularly women's rights, but also climate change. I was, you know, brought up in a family where I, you know, really questioned, you know, why do things have to be this way? You know, why do women have less when it comes to agency and power and the ability to make choices? So, you know, that was always something that was really important to me. And I I was also really conscious of climate change and always wanted to do something about it, but really never felt like I was able to really belong in, in a lot of the climate movements out there which are very dominated by a very particular type of kind of angry, shouty activism and a kind of field where there weren't a lot of people of my background, I'm South Asian, um, in in that field. So actually, I never expected to be working at the intersection of all these three things. But when I, you know, when I came across some of these ideas a few years ago and recognized the amount of power that financial flows have on the climate, and how much power we could potentially have as women, it kind of brought these three things together in a really unexpected way. And,
0: and I like the fact that it's kind of a discovery and it's not necessarily planned and it just happened to be. That's super cool. And so why do you only target women? Do you think just because more is done for men on or that sustainability is something that
1: women are more interested in? So we target women for a few reasons. So there's been research done by uh, Moxie Futures that have found that 83% of women surveyed care about where their money is invested. And 69% of those women feel a sense of urgency to invest responsibly. So women really care about where their money is going. But when it comes to the finance industry, it's not Done a a great job at connecting with women and non binary people. And so lots of women report feeling disengaged from personal finances, less confident about managing their money, and patronised and talked down to by financial advisors. So, just to give you some of the stats behind that, approximately 16% of financial advisors in the UK are women. 62% of women who are married leave long-term financial planning to a spouse or a husband. So that's 62% leave the long-term finances. And at the age of 65, a woman's pension pot is a fifth of the size of men's. And so women are reaching retirement age with £145,000 less in their pension savings than men. So there's a real, you know, and your your podcast really goes into this, it's a real disengagement and disempowerment that happens for women when it comes to finances. And then when you kind of add the climate change layer on top, you know, when it comes to the consequences of climate change, for example, displacement and migration due to climate change, 80% of the people affected by that are women. And so Actually, there's a we know we care about our money being invested. We're not investing our money or as engaged in our finances, and climate change is affecting us as women disproportionately. So, absolutely, I think men are interested in investing sustainability too. But I think the research is showing is that they're less put off engaging in these types of long term finances. Mm
0: -hmm. And this is super eye opening to have all these statistics, even though. I mean, I know about them because I'm in this field, but always you're wow. <laughs> so you launched Money Movers in March 2021, and so far you've moved 1.2 million for the planet. So can you really explain what's behind that
1: word and
0: what were the funds before and where are they now?
1: Yeah, so we actually um, launched Money Movers in 2019, and it started off as a series of pilots. So the way it works is that we train up women to host a three-session program where they bring together friends, neighbors, colleagues, family members, Round a dinner table or a Zoom room. And over those three sessions, women start to talk about money and their values and climate change. They then start to map out where their money is and then take action together through things like switching their bank account, changing their pension, or making a sustainable investment. And at the end of those three sessions, we we ask the women involved: you know, what did you do and, and what approximate figure would you quantify that with you know how much would you estimate that was worth and so for some of those women their money was in a bank account which had a poor record of investing in fossil fuels so you know there are a lot of high street banks out there who are investing at the moment in fossil fuel expansion despite the fact that we know that that has to stop if we're going to stay within our planetary boundaries and so For some of the women, what they did was move their bank account from a bank which invests in fossil fuels to a bank account where the money is invested in an ethical or sustainable way or into a building society or mutual that doesn't invest in fossil fuels. And and would you have any names on those? Yeah, so I will stay away from giving financial advice because primarily I'm not qualified to in any way. You know, I don't, my career hasn't historically been in finances and I come to this with Huddlecraft from a a peer support specialism. We're really supporting people to look at the options out there, ask questions and do the research themselves And I'm also kind of speaking majority from a UK perspective. But I would say if anyone's kind of looking to green their finances, there's a few places I would really recommend they go and have a look. One of them is Good With Money. Who are an online information and advice platform, and they look at lots of different accounts out there and and kind of give you the kind of pros and cons. Ethical consumer also do a lot of work on really finding out who is actually sustainable and ethical. Switchit is a tool that people can use specifically around bank accounts, and so they can put in you can put in your bank account and see how it's doing on a kind of red, amber, green rating, and if it's red, you really need to switch. That that bank account. So yeah, there are lots of options. And the the good news is that the options are increasing. And, you know, some might say that they're not increasing fast enough. But whereas, you know, five or six years ago, maybe if you wanted an ethical bank in the UK, there were two options, really. Whereas now there are many more banks who are recognizing that this is what customers are interested in and are looking at ways to do that. So, so
0: being in the field, kind of, you, you're pretty optimistic to where we're heading, even though maybe it's not enough. Maybe we need more options, but still, we're in the dynamism. I
1: think generally, yes, I'm optimistic. I think climate has become a real mainstream issue, you know, and, and things like the climate strikes that have been happening, the interest in sustainable behavior change, the amount of us who are saying we want to do things that help the planet, that's all increasing but that i think i would caution that optimism with saying that we can't it doesn't mean we can't be complacent so i'd say that there are people in power now who frankly, aren't going to be on this planet by 2050 and who are still motivated by the kind of short term gain over the future of the planet and the people on it. And so, you know, whilst there are lots of us as citizens who really care about climate change, there are lots of people who are in charge of institutions and organisations and governments who are talking the talk, and they're saying they care about climate change, but not necessarily walking the walk. So, you know, there's talk at the moment about in the UK from potential prime ministers about scrapping net zero measures, which is just mind blowing to me that that is a conversation that we could be having in 2022, when the IPCC, the International Panel on Climate Change, you know, scientists from all around the world have said that in order to avoid climate catastrophe, We have to reach peak fossil fuel use by 2025. So I don't think we can rest on our laurels and just say that actually, yeah, it's all being taken care of. I think for me, the reason I feel optimistic is because there's an opportunity to show and continue to show that there is mass Mainstream support for real climate action, and I think I'm really excited about you know initiatives like Money Movers, which are about people voting with their money, voting with their pound, their dollar, their euro to say no, we really mean it when we say we want you to act, and we will move our money to show that. And what I really like with your approach is that,
0: as you said, you think like change would not come from top down. But it's going to be like really ordinary people who are coming together to really demand more measures and more sustainability. So, yes, yeah, so that, that's what I really like. And, and what do you think people want and how can businesses
1: adapt to support the actions? Yeah, I think, you know, I obviously can't talk for everyone on what they want, but what I've seen is that people want to do their bit and they're prepared to do things that you know for example reducing their single-use plastics like people want to play their part but they also want leaders and institutions to take real action an action that ensures they've got enough means to actually live a fulfilling and, and good life now but not sacrificing their children and future generations futures and so I think you know people want To know they're not just being expected to do their bit and that's it you know and I think that's where the potential for me for collective action for us doing a little bit but then demonstrating to organizations institutions hey look you have to change business as usual because it's not it's not what we want and it's not what we'll support anymore so I think there's a lot of things different businesses can do I think when it comes to financial businesses there are businesses out there who are not just maximizing shareholder profit and shareholder returns. Because you know what good is a shareholder returns and shareholder value on a planet that doesn't exist, you know? And, you know, or a planet that is burning. And I think, you know, there's a lot of things businesses can do at a lot of different levels. So, you know, right from the top, from changing their policies and changing, you know, what's in their their governance, you know, and how their key governance documents are written. You know, there are lots of businesses who are actually working to actually change that in their legal structures, which is incredible. There are businesses changing their policies in terms of what they are investing in themselves as businesses so you know for non-financial institutions there are businesses out there who are looking at their default pension fund and seeing you know how can we switch our default fund to a more sustainable one and therefore support all of our employees to be investing in things that aren't destroying the planet. Totally makes
0: sense and I think one of the things that you said about your pension I'd like to go into more details on it. For me, you really need to understand that your money has power and in order to green your finances, that's one of the most efficient thing to do. So a lot of people, they don't even have an idea how their pension providers do with their money or they don't have the info or they don't look for the info maybe as well. And thus, they don't make any choices, but if they were to know, they would probably change or stop or do something
1: completely different. So what's your view on it? So there's been research done by Make My Money Matter and a couple of organisations together with them uh, that shows that greening your pension can be up to 21 times more powerful at lowering your carbon footprint than going vegetarian, stopping flying, and changing your energy provider combined so there can be huge power in our pensions but as you said quite a lot of us don't really understand our pensions and for many of us you know we we might not even know historically where our pensions have been in different jobs we've done and so I'm not a financial expert I'm not an expert in pensions and I think one of the key reasons Money Movers exist is because we're saying that you don't have to be an expert to begin asking questions And it's a journey. You know, nobody was born being an expert in pensions and definitely not in sustainable pensions. For many of us, they weren't really a thing when we were born. So it's not about expecting yourself to be an expert straight away. It's not a one-off thing. It's a journey of learning. And so I think the most important thing that people can do is to begin that learning journey. And there are lots of different ways of doing that. But What we found in Money Movers is the peer support element has been crucial to taking people from realizing, oh, I can do things to green my finances. But then there are barriers and hurdles, you know, this stuff isn't straightforward. You still have to do homework in, in looking at that and seeing, well, it's called ethical, but is it really? And my thankfully, my pension provider, I'm able to actually look at the, you know, the 40 companies that are in that ethical fund and really make my mind up myself. So for some of us, it's easier, but for some of us, it's not so easy if we've got different types of pension and we're trying to get our head around what those are or if we're self-employed. And so I would really recommend doing this with somebody, doing it with a a friend, doing it with a colleague, doing it with your spouse and actually together saying, right, I'm going to learn about this bit. You learn about that bit. Let's come back together and compare notes. Because I think that that kind of really helps us to stay in the mess of trying to figure out what's what and helps us stay accountable as well. Because, you know, the next time you see that friend, you can say, oh, hey, I actually did change my pension. How did you get on? And and it's that kind of element of accountability and of support. And it's a super motivation as well, (laughs)
0: knowing that someone expects you to do something. Yeah, you you have much more chances you'll actually do it. Yeah,
1: yeah. although I would say, you know, choosing who those friends are who you come together with this about is important as well, because for us at Money Movers, we really believe in the power of non-judgmental spaces And we're all at different stages in our lives and in our situations. And for some of us, moving our money isn't an option right now. And therefore, we don't preach at people and say, you should do this and you have to do this. And I think there are a lot of Things in, in climate change where you do feel preached at and you do feel judged for not doing everything. And so I would say that the most important thing you can do is begin a learning journey, start asking questions and take things one step at a time. And so one of the tools that the women in our programs do is they use something called a money map where they map out their finances and they you know literally look at, okay, pension, current accounts, savings, spending, direct debits. Where do I know the most about what this provider does with my money? And where do I know the least? And where's the easiest place to start? And where's the place where it's not the easiest, but if I start here, I'm going to have the most impact. And then they take things one step at a time. So I'd really encourage people to, yeah, not feel overwhelmed by the idea of having to do anything perfectly because, you know, we don't live in a perfect world and we can't live perfect lives. And that's a super wise advice in a way because
0: otherwise, as you said, you don't do anything because ah, it's too complicated. Ah, it takes too much time. Ah, I, I can't do it for whatever reason. So, yeah, way better to to start even if it's small, even if it may sound insignificant for you, but
1: for many other people, it's actually a big step. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why you know for us, we have this big goal of moving one billion pounds, which in the grand scheme of finances in the world is a tiny amount of money. But actually, as an individual, if I've only got a little bit of money in my own, you know, bank accounts and savings, if I'm fortunate to have savings, I can add to that total without feeling like it's futile, you know, whereas if actually a lot of us are adding a little bit then there is a cumulative collective action, and that's what we've found so far in our pilots, where we've moved 1.2 million pounds already, and and that you know has helped people feel like, oh, I'm part of something bigger, and and my little bit does matter, it does count. So on that, actually,
0: who are the women you're targeting? So if you plan to move a billion and you aim to empower 30,000 women, it's roughly about 33,000 pounds worth of capital moving. So who are your the women you're targeting?
1: Yeah, so I think the first thing to say is that that one billion goal is a what if goal. So we asked ourselves this what if question, what if together we could move £1 billion? And so what that doesn't mean is everybody moving a very specific amount of money within that £1 billion. But beyond that, we'll be looking to use technology and partnerships to scale how many people are able to get involved in this. And the impact that we can catalyse as a result of people getting involved. So in the first programme, you might move a small amount of money in your current account or in your pension, but actually you might work for an institution where five of you decide to talk to your employer and your employer changes their entire pension scheme. And so there's an impact beyond our individual action. And you also might change things over the course of a number of years. So you might join the initial programme have your group and move one thing or start sustainable investing but then 3 or 4 years down the line your financial situation might change and you might get together with other women in our community to start looking at you know how can we you know take the next step on our investing journey Or how can we become shareholder activists where we buy shares and actually vote in company AGMs for them to change what they're doing? And so the the 1 billion goal is, you know, how can we essentially catalyze a movement of women taking the lead and demanding climate action from institutions and from governments and organisations around us in lots of different ways? And the last thing as well, which is pretty simple but super efficient is to spend
0: more money locally. So can you recommend or maybe the way you live some quick wins we can implement in our daily lives to really make a change without really having the impression we're making an effort?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, recognizing, I think part of this about spending locally is recognizing that the money that we are spending in other ways, you know, every Amazon purchase we make is propping up an entire way of doing business that doesn't place climate at its centre. Um, so I think, you know, quick wins are buying food more locally and, and you know, supporting the, you know, greengrocers and the high street butchers, the small businesses who really care about where they get their, you know, what their supply chain is and, and you know, how they run their business. And having relationships, I think, you know, the biggest thing, what we found at Money Movers is that it's relationships that cause us to shift our actions and it's relationships that get us to question, you know, why we're doing what we're doing. And so being able to have a relationship with the people who are, Running the businesses that we choose to spend our money with, I think is really can be really powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you have any useful content? I know you've already shared a few a few websites or
1: even people that inspire you. I think in terms of content around this particular topic, I've shared a couple of websites already. And the good news is that there are just many more people talking about this. And so, you know, you can find articles in your mainstream magazines, but you can also find some really... Really great video kind of content out there, such as Economy of Good, um, which is led by someone called Charlene Cranny. Which you know she she interviews people from these businesses and asks them all sorts of questions. And so I think on the kind of green finance, that's kind of one thing that I'd recommend. And on the wider topic of taking climate action, I think what we really care about is people feeling empowered to ask questions and not feel like they have to be the expert in any particular area before being able to engage in these conversations. So climate change is all of our business and we can all ask questions. Um, And uh, a kind of podcast I really would love to shout out is the Climate Curious podcast, which is organised from the folks at TEDx London, And a friend of mine, Marion Pasha, uh, leads that. And what I love about that podcast is that they are just asking everyday questions of people who are in the world of climate to really break down these issues into content that we can all understand and we can all begin to engage with regardless of you know what our starting point is. Amazing I'll, I'll, I didn't know that one so I'll definitely have a look later. What I love about it is it's just really down to earth and it's light-hearted because I think sometimes when we're talking about things like finances and climate change, you know. These can be really heavy topics. And um, one of the things we found at Money Movers that we've almost been surprised by is that when people get together, when women get together in groups and start talking about these topics, they actually enjoy it, you know, and having conversations like, who are your financial role models? And, you know, if you could paint a dream future, what would it look like? You know, these are topics that we can actually enjoy talking about, which can surprise us sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Love that. Wow! thank you so much, Anika, for this discussion. I always love to hear about initiatives that really try to change an established order and make the world a better place. And I really like the work that you're doing to empower women. So thanks a lot for sharing. Speak to you soon and all the best. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Bye. So at the end of this episode, I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website at maricafineau.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word. Thank you!